You're listening to The Missing Piece by Candace Spann. This podcast is for believers, dreamers, and visionaries who has always seen the bigger picture of their lives but didn't know how the pieces would come together. Hey, y'all. So welcome back to my podcast. I know it's been a little minute before I recorded my last one. Honestly, I don't even know how long it's been since I posted my last episode, but a lot has went down since I posted and kind of just want to bring you guys up to speed just on some things personally happening with me and as I'm dealing with a lot of things. Um, But first and foremost, I'm just thankful once again for the continued support from you guys, the continued shared likes, and then just asking me like, when is the next episode coming? You know what I've had to learn over um, these past couple of weeks has been personally allowing God to work throughout my life as I'm dealing with things. He did reveal to me that, (laughs) Candace, your podcast is not going to be a podcast where you're going to be producing episodes every two weeks and every month you have a new content um, because you're personally on a journey with me and I don't have a clock watch on how many things that you have to accomplish, how many things that you need to be delivered from, how many processes or how many stories you need to tell. This is truly just going to be your life experience. So do not rush what I'm doing in your life. And that's what I'm doing. I'm taking my time. I am allowing God to work and perfect these things throughout me as I go through them. And then I'm just sharing my experience. So in this episode, this is going to be more of me just talking through just currently where I am and just how God is just teaching me throughout my situation how to just be. I think a lot of times, you know, in my past version of myself, I never knew, I was never in the moment enough to understand how am I as a person when I go through hard situations and how do I look when I'm coming out? And I was expressing to my friends, you know, in the past, you know, month of May and June, I felt like these past 30, 40 days that I was sitting on an airplane. Ironically enough, I was traveling a lot too. But anyway, I was sitting on an airplane and I feel like inside this airplane, while it's flying in the air, There is a whole bunch of seats of stress. There's a baby crying. There's somebody kneeing me in the back. I'm in the middle seat. Nobody wants to share the armrest. The AC is not working on the airplane. The flight attendant is not giving me any food. It's just like so noisy. There's turbulence. And you ever been on a flight where it's just like everything just was like, all right, this is enough. I can't wait to get off the ground. Like, when are we landing? That's how I felt. For the past 30 to 40 days, I felt like I was inside a plane with all of my emotions, situations, experiences, trials, and tribulations. And I had no control on whether or not this plane was going to land. The only thing that I knew is that I'm in transition and I'm going from one point to the next. I just had to manage where I was. And that's where I was the past 30 and 40 days from my last episode. And I'm thankful to God for telling me that my episodes are not going to be mass produced like a machine, but it's going to be produced from the fruit of my life. And that's where I am. So if I could for a little bit, just kind of share with you guys where I currently was and what was going on and what was on this plane with me, 
you know, could you have been in this situation? So just walk with me just a little bit as I just tell you a little story. Is this personally venting like kind of what I was going through? Absolutely. Um, but it's also like me sharing where I was and then how I came out and where I am today. So at the tail end of May, I will say story time. At the tail end of May, I will say um, I had a trip plan, was going out of the country to Cabo for a wedding. And I decided to book a flight through a friend of a friend. And, um, you know, she booked the flight. She's a flight attendant. Apparently she was using her employee discount. And, you know, as I kept logging into the flight to try to check the details and everything, it kept saying cancel. It kept saying cancel. She said that I would be fine. She even, even the day before it said cancel, but she randomly was able to still get me the boarding pass. I had the QR code and here I am six o'clock on Thursday morning, ready to fly out to Cabo to my best friend's vow renewal wedding that they scanned the QR code and the boarding pass and they don't have a ticket for me. Not only did JetBlue not have a ticket for me when they scanned the boarding pass that shows a ticket, <laughs> they said, um, this ticket was canceled actually a few weeks ago and whoever purchased it, their points were returned. And I'm like, there's no way, like, you know, I have a ticket on my phone. They're like, we don't know, it's a system error or something, but this person, you know, unfortunately was notified about the points that were purchased. They never purchased it with their employee discount, um, you know. So we don't have a ticket for you. Sorry. And I like pleaded and cried. And I was like, no, I can pay for cash. Like I have to get there. There's a wedding I have to be to. And they're like, I'm sorry. We're already boarding. There's nothing that we can do. They closed the door and I was defeated. I sat down and I started boohoo crying in this airport, in Charleston airport, five o'clock in the morning. First thing I did was call the girl who I booked the tickets through, call her phone, probably nine times, text her probably six times. The girl ain't answering the phone call my mom, started crying. My mom does not travel at all. So she has no idea how to help me. The only thing that she could do is like, say like, you know, do you just want to come home? And honestly, I was almost to the point where I was ready to go home. <laughs> so the only two people that I talked to at the time was my aunt. She called because she travels a lot. And then my LS, I called my LS to ask her like, you know, what do I do? Because she travels a lot. So she's trying to just talking to me through the whole situation. And of course, my aunt is giving me pointers. So my aunt, I talked to my aunt, you know, that comfort person that you get on the phone with and you just bust out crying. And that was me talking to my aunt. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to miss the wedding. They told me that I can't go. La, la. You know, just like, just completely upset because I felt like if I had just booked the ticket myself, all of this could have been avoided. I would have not needed to depend on somebody. And, you know, I'm just upset. So my aunt's like, calm down go to Southwest, go to Southwest, there's no tickets. Go to United Counter, there's nobody there. My aunt's like, get from behind the TSA area and go up to the ticket counter and ask them. So I go back out to the front where the ticket counters are, go to United, finally find somebody. She's like, the flights are $1,800. Not doing that. Then I went to American. They rude. You know, they just don't care how they talk to people. Tickets was $1,500. And then I get to American. American, first thing I can see is a bunch of black women on, I mean, then I get to Delta Airlines. And when I get to Delta Airlines, the first thing I see is a bunch of faces of black women and men just standing there. And they had smiles in their faces. And they're like, Candace, we know you from TikTok. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, <laughs> y'all, tears in my eye. And I'm crying in front of these people. And they expected me to be all jokey, like so fun. Like, oh, Candace, you from TikTok? Y'all, I am crying. 
in front of these people because I am just like so heartbroken that all of this has happened. So I told them the situation and the only thing that they had was a $1,200 ticket to Cabo. And unfortunately, I had to pay $1,200 cash to get to Cabo. So after explaining it, you know, shout out to Angel who actually works at Delta. She was like, Candace, like, you know, you could have came up here earlier. We had already had you on a flight. You could have got to Cabo by nine o'clock. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not an experienced flyer. This is my first time. So anyway, long story short, on top of not being able to pay for the flight, Angel was able to get me on a standby flight to get me to Atlanta by noon. So from 6 to 10 a.m., I was just kind of waiting in the airport. And 10 a.m., I boarded. I flew to Atlanta. And I also called my cousin, who's a flight attendant, who I should have booked the ticket with in the first place, but nonetheless. He meets me in the Atlanta airport once he gets off his flight. And I'm like crying, retelling the story again while eating a piece of Popeye's chicken. Yeah, I wasn't doing my diet. I was stressed. I was like, I don't know what to do. He's like, Candace, calm down because I know you are upset. And I retold the situation. He's like, let me just get you to the Delta counter and talk to them and see what we can do. He talks to them. And the first thing I said to the lady at the counter, I said, ma'am, I've had the longest morning of my life. And I am not an experienced flyer. And I'm just trying to get to my best friend's wedding. And I just ask that you have a little bit of grace with me because I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm just here, like I'll pay whatever it needs to be paid, but I am just like not understanding, like I'm just finding out what a standby flight is. So tears in my eyes, she's like, just calm down. It's going to be okay. I feel like the Lord really used her as an angel because that lady gave me so much grace. She even put me up in a hotel that same night, free of charge with free meal passes right off of the train, which was walking distance on the sky train. And then, you know, I was able to check in free night unpaid. Um, so I called my LS who lives in Atlanta. We spent some time together. We went to dinner, we hung out and then I fly out 6am that morning. And then I get to Cabo the next day. Now, when I land in Cabo, I don't land until 12, taking the trip from the airport to the room. I don't really get into the pool until like two o'clock and the wedding is at five. So can you imagine how upset I truly was? I mean, so much of crying, so much of pleading, so much of praying and just asking God for me to just get there in time. And I did. I got there in time. I was able to say my speech. I was able to enjoy the wedding and, you know, get through the weekend. Did it put a bad taste in my mouth? Absolutely. Will there be a relationship? Will I try to restore the person? Absolutely not. Um, because that person never apologized to me and all the inconvenience and all the stuff that I was going through, this person didn't really care. They was just like, oh, I'm sorry that JetBlue did that, but I did what I needed to do. It's like, no, like you ruined my vacation. You know what I mean? And to me that that was just so hurtful because I was just, you know, when you in the airport, them flight attendants don't care how they talk to you. And that was the first time I'm dealing with all this at one time, yelling, screaming, people talking to you nasty, people telling you to hurry up, get your luggage. It just was a nightmare, but, but I got through it. Right. So that's point number one. Not only did I get to Cabo when I was leaving Cabo though, the Mexican border, they actually held me at the border because they needed proof of my ticket flying back to America. Well, the whole $1,200 ticket that I bought through Delta, the lady at Delta was so nice, she forgot to put a seat on the plane for me. 
and they were trying to figure out how did I get a ticket without a seat. So I was held at the Kabul airport for an extra hour before I could even fly out back to America. So I'm just praying, just praying, just praying, like, Lord, just allow this to work out. Like, I just, you know, I've done everything that I can do at this point. I've got through this trip. Like, Lord, just let me get home safe. Lo and behold, got home safe. Everything was fine. Good to go. Well, when I got home, I have a trip scheduled to fly out the next day for D.C. for a corporate training. Well, when I look at my tickets, <laughs> the tickets is booked wrong. Our marketing assistant booked the wrong time or the times either changed for the flight or something happened, a glitch in the system and the times were booked wrong. I was supposed to be in DC on Tuesday morning by 7 a.m. and the flight was booked for 7 p.m. And guess what? I didn't panic. I didn't panic at all. I texted her and asked her, hey, do you have the right times? Are you sure this is the right time? I figured it all out. I just booked a flight separately, was able to get there, did all the training that I needed to do I was super jet lagged and super tired, but I was able to get through. That was point number two. So on the point of coming back from DC, I get a call while I'm waiting in the airport before I board my flight to come back home after all the traveling. And it's a call from my cousin that's telling me that my aunt is going to be passing away soon. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I just saw her, like it's just been like two weeks. She was just in the hospital. And, you know, we know that she was sick you know, but it, we didn't expect it to be so sudden. So I can hear the tears in his eye and I can feel the frog in his throat that, you know, it just may not be long. So he's like, Hey, when you touch down, we're going to be at the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. So I told him that I would come to the hospital. Lo and behold, flew back to Charleston. Soon as I landed, one of my friends picked me up from the airport. She takes me to the hospital. And I have my luggage inside the hospital room and I'm looking at my aunt's body in the bed on a ventilator. And in the midst of having the worst travel times and just trying to do as much as I can do in training for work, luggage in the room, and now here I am trying to encourage my family to just have faith and just believe in God or just embrace where we currently are in this moment while we have these last hours with her. Can you imagine all of that in the midst of 10 days? Expecting to have a vacation of a lifetime and expecting to be so fulfilled and having just such a great time. You deal with all these issues with traveling. And then you don't get to come back and just rest and, and wipe off what you experience. You got to fly out the next morning to training for work, show up full capacity and be all that you can be. And then while you're flying back, you get an, an update that your aunt is passing away. I kid you not, that was the hardest time of me to regulate emotion for me. And on top of that, now I'm thinking like, God, I haven't even put out a podcast episode. I was working on it. I already have my notes for it. I already written out what I wanted to say, what I was going to do. And God is like, I just need you to just be in this moment. And that moment turned from two weeks to four weeks to now 30-something days. And I had to be alone with God. And when I mean alone, I mean ready to set up my atmosphere. And typically what happens is when I want to hear from God, I've got my journal ready. I got my word out. I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to praise. I truly 
set my atmosphere and I have these large expectations for God to just really speak to me. And I've learned (laughs) that God doesn't always show up in the way that we expect him to. And for some reason, I was waiting for him to just like, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to just like fall on me. And then I'm able to just like release my emotions. And then I get this word and then, and it just wasn't like that. Not at all, actually. (laughs) It was quiet, extremely quiet. And um, God didn't say much of anything. And I would get, you know, little words here and there. I wasn't dreaming. I was like, God, what is really going on? Why do I feel like I am dealing with such a, a level of being brought down? Or to me, it felt like a level of warfare, right? This is my version of feel like I'm dealing with a trial or a tribulation. And I just felt like I was being like bullied by the atmosphere around me. And, um, and then on top of that, not only do I come back from this trip, two weeks later, I have to go to the funeral. I don't get any time off, you know, for things like that. I had to adjust my days just in order to take off to get to the funeral. And then I write a sale that month and the sale was like the worst transaction I've ever written and out of confidentiality and privacy of the buyer, but it was the worst deal. This lady like literally told me I was the worst real estate agent she's ever worked with. And I have the worst customer service and it had nothing to do with me. (laughs) And I was like, God, I can't take no more because I feel like you've given me enough at this point. And I don't know what it is that you're expecting from me, but I don't have a reaction. And that's the part that showed me my growth is that in a situation where I should have had a reaction, I didn't. Now, was I frustrated? Was I feeling some type of way? Absolutely. But there's a part of me that wanted to curse people out. There's a part of me that wanted to tell people how I really felt. There's a part of me that wanted to express how I was really feeling. And there's also a part of me that also wanted to give up and not go through all of this at all. But I didn't. And... To sum it all up, I call my dad as I usually do. And I'm like, dad, I'm dealing with this. Like, you know, I'm telling him and replaying all the stories and stuff that I'm going through. And my dad usually has the answers to every equation that I have, you know. And this time he just gave me a word and left it at that. And I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't helpful. Well, that was helpful. But it's like, God, like, what? what? Like, he supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And he was like, Ken, you just sound like you just having a fiery furnace situation he's like maybe you should just read the story and what I did read the story and y'all when I read that story I really felt like I was Shadrach Meshach and Abednego the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace and if you don't remember the story just a little bit of the story these three Hebrew boys was told by Nebuchadnezzar at the time to fall down and worship a golden calf And they said that they were not going to do that because they worship God. Nebuchadnezzar was like, okay, you don't want to obey me. You guys will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And we're going to crank the heat up seven times hotter than what the normal furnace temperature is going to be. So here these three three guys are inside the fiery furnace. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked through the door, he not only sees three of them, he sees four. And that was the presence of God that was in the furnace. 
And through that situation, when Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth person, he's like, how are they not being burnt up? How is there another person in there? Didn't we put three and not four? To sum it all up, Nebuchadnezzar was like, the God that they serve is going to be the God that I serve. Because there's no way that we put them in a fiery furnace. They're not dead and their clothes don't even smell like smoke. And I had to like put that in my in my situation. Like, have you ever been in that place? Like, let's really think about that. Situations around you can sometimes put you in a place that can be very irritating. Decisions that you make, where you are, your location, your office, your staff, you never know. People you work with, relationships, all these things. All these different life factors could be this fiery furnace, right? And in that fiery furnace, all those situations are being cranked up even hotter on the temperature of your life. But you're looking at your situation and you are staring it in the face and saying, I trust God because I know that this situation is not going to kill me. It's not going to take me out and it's not going to burn me. And even through your situation, when you can stand in the midst of it, what does it do? It allows God to show up in the midst of it all. And not only standing in, in your situation, and even when the fire is being cranked up, it allows God to be in the midst of it. You surviving that situation makes a believer out of somebody else. Makes people come back to the cross or makes people even believe in God even for the first time. And that was a revelation that the Lord gave me about my situation. Was that that airplane that I felt like I was sitting in was like like a fiery furnace. But I still got to somehow in some way trust God. And when I say I was going through all this stuff, I didn't have a reaction. I wasn't having a meltdown. I wasn't shutting down. I wasn't giving up. And I realized that I just trusted God. And that to me was a blessing to feel. That to me was a blessing to experience. And, you know, I just want to like repent publicly and like God forgive me for expecting trust in you to look a certain kind of way. Because for me, if I'm being honest, I thought trusting God would have looked like me being unmoved or me being unshaken or me just dealing with one situation at a time. But me trusting God was even deeper than that. It was a whole different situation that I didn't even expect. Did I have reaction? Absolutely. Did I spaz out? I did not. Was I going through all of this situation and still maintaining and regulating emotions? I did. And God is like, this is what trust looks like for you. It is not you being able to stand on a situation and not have a reaction because it's almost inhuman of you or not humane. I don't even know if I'm saying the right word. I'm probably not even saying, Lord, expand my vocabulary. (laughs) But it's not human of you. To be in a situation and expect you to not have a reaction to the things that tear up your nerves or break you down or make you feel, you know, really broken in situations. So you're going to have reactions and it's not going to look like what you thought it was going to look like, but that happens as you grow. And that's what the Lord revealed to me. 
And it took me 30, 40 days to just sit in that, that, that growth, because growth doesn't feel good, right? We beat ourselves up, you know, and then sometimes it's very fearful to really walk out healing. Sometimes it's very difficult to experience that at a full capacity that, wow, I'm not a hothead anymore. Wow, I understand self-control. I'm understanding patience and I'm understanding maintaining peace and regulating emotions. God, you're so showing me so much throughout my life and I appreciate you for letting me go through this and sit in it to come out on the other side and now look at it as a blessing in disguise. Like truly for me, these past 30 to 40 days was like, this was peace being still. This was sitting on what was going on and just believing what God was doing anyhow. And sitting on not God not saying anything, but understanding like the tools he gave me, I know how to use. And I, and I, and I say that because, you know, I've heard, you know, Pastor Darius Daniels and I do attend that church, Change Church virtually. I love that church so much. I appreciate God for Darius Daniels because his pastoral care has been, his his view of being a pastor and his leadership has restored pastoral care in my life and um, the church hurt that I've experienced. But I remember him saying one time in one of his sermons is that sometimes God's silence is his, is, is his trust in you. No, he said, sometimes God's silence is his confidence in you. It's that he don't got to tell you what to do because you already know what it is that you need to be doing. And if he did, and not only does he not need to tell you what to do, but it's like you have the tools and the resources around you to figure it out on your own. And that's what I felt like the past 30, 40 days. Was I still looking for God? Absolutely. Was I still expecting it to be a certain kind of way? Absolutely. But God just showed me that I was still able to trust him in the midst of it all, no matter what. And I was still able to be still and I was still able to maintain character at all times. So I just wanted to share that. This ain't going to be more of like a teaching of, oh, Nebuchadnezzar and the story of breaking it down to three Hebrew boys. No, it's just a random piece for me, a random growth piece for me is that I looked for God a certain kind of way to help me through a situation and it came through silence and it came through understanding that I had the tools and the resources on my own. And that was a great feeling now. Now, was it a great feeling then? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, when you're talking to somebody and they don't talk back, you be like, all right, now. I got no one to say now, God, you know. <laughs> but I was patient enough to hear what the Lord really was trying to say to me. And I was hungry enough to want to be fed again. Like, God, give it to me. Like, well, what's the answer? You know, like I was in that place where I was yearning for him to tell me what it was and why I was dealing with what I was dealing with. And that's all. So maybe you've been in a situation like this, or maybe you haven't. I don't know. This story for you may have been like, uh, 
you know, or or maybe it's something that you can relate to. But I know for sure for me, as I've said before, I've been desperate for God to heal me and allow my life to just be a journey for me to just learn from and allow him to really just work my calling throughout me and my purpose in life. And he's doing that. And for me, this was a really growth piece because I didn't give up. I didn't shut down. You know, I didn't try to destroy nobody. I, you know, I didn't cuss nobody. I wasn't out of character. I was just like, you know what? It is what it is. And I had no reaction. And that to me just showed me like, I'm just growing so much. So I just appreciate what he's doing. And, um, you know, if you have a situation like this, maybe sit with God enough or maybe use the resources that you have around you, you know, but I will say that don't expect God to show up in the same capacity that he did in the last conversation that you had, because he just may not. And he may do something differently so that you can learn from it. And that's what he did for me. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. It's really straight to the point kind of episode. And um, I thank you guys for always listening and tuning in and can't wait to record the next one. Bye.